With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What makes for a great vacation? Depends on who you ask. Are you looking to get away or bring everyone together? Do you want to get outside and play or see a play at the plate? Fortunately, however you operate, I'm the destination you've been looking for. The name's Missouri, but you can call me Mo. And I have just one question. What's your M.O.? To find your M.O., tap now. Or for information on safe travel, come see me at visitmo.com. It is the Blue. It's not one of our former player interviews. I'm delighted to say that myself and Dave are now joined by Jolyon Lescott, uh, former defender, 145 appearances for the Blues, 17 goals. Jolyon, great to speak to you. Thanks very much for coming to meet us. No problem. And good morning to everyone as well. Um, and we're... Before we get to speak about your, your, your time at Everton, um, just wanted to give our listeners sort of an insight into, into what you're doing with yourself now. Before we hit record, they said you're essentially ferrying your, your kids around to, to, to different places, but you work with Manchester City as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, as I said, most, mostly I'm a, I'm a taxi driver for the kids. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in regards to work, um, work and supporting, there's a team of us that support the players that go on alone from Manchester City. Um, currently, there's 31 players, um, and we have a batch that we look after more intensely individually um, so I'm currently working with seven players um, possibly go up to eight next season um, and they're at clubs various clubs throughout Europe um, and just kind of help look after and mentor them and monitor their games and help develop them Are they mainly a lot of younger players? Yeah um, average age is like between 18 and 23 um, through the whole um, loan system, not just the batch I look after. So yeah, it's um, some tight times. Is that a role that yeah, are most Premier League clubs now, or is it something yeah. that City sort of pioneered a bit? I think Chelsea would deserve some credit for that as well, yeah. um, having a large number of players um, on loan. But yeah, Man City definitely have, have one of have perfected the, the industry and that side of the, the club. Um, there's a lot of support for these players that they need. Yeah. Um, they don't just feel like they're on loan and then just left to their yeah. own devices um, but there's a lot of more clubs now reaching out for kind of help and guidance from us um, former clubs that I've played for have been in touch and said can we um, kind of look at your model and, and work from there David Weir do, currently doing it at Brighton Yeah. Um, so um, yeah clubs are looking at it uh, as, a, as an important stage an important part of, of their club and their young players development when you look back at your career as well then I'm going to come to speak about people like Phil Jagielka who's still raised yourself who's still playing how do you reflect on it? Because you have retired relatively early. You had a lot of time off through mm. through injuries. Means you feel as though you've sort of been robbed a little bit of, of some good years. Um, maybe, um, but I'd have no regrets um, when I look back and what I've achieved. Um, and pretty much every club, barring Brian Aston Villa, which is a sore spot due to me supporting them. Um, I was successful at pretty much all the clubs. Um, had success with the clubs. Um, like obviously, every time we reached the FA Cup final, which was mm. a great time. Yeah. Obviously, disappointing to lose, but great. Um, Wolves got promoted. Obviously, they're a different beasts now, yeah. but at the time, that was relatively successful. Um, obviously, Man City, very successful there. Um, and again, West Brom um, was part of one of their best defensive records in, in the Premier League. So, 
Um, overall, I can look back and I probably have looked back since I retired and been like, yeah, it was it was pretty enjoyable. So, so going back to, to that time then, um, before you moved to, to Everton, um, when did you find out about the interest? Um, when did you realise the club were looking at you? Um, kind of confirmed it in the summer before the summer I joined, but I, I was aware they would. David Moyes had been coming to a number of games. Yeah. I think the previous two seasons he'd watched me 50 times, I think. 50, 50, 50 or so times, 50 times um, before I joined. Well, he had that reputation, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that was off the back of me being injured. I missed the whole year, the Premier League season for Wolves, and then I came back, played two seasons in, um, in the Championship for Wolves, didn't miss the game. Um, and then obviously joined Everton and it was funny because it took two weeks to do the medical, not because there was any issues, just because they did it was concerned about my knee and it wasn't until I sat down with kind of players that being said, well, what player has played more games yeah. in the Everton squad than me in the last two seasons mm -hmm. and there wasn't a player that had done that. Um, so, and obviously the quality is not the same as Championship, Premiership, but the physicality of it all and demands are the same, probably higher in the Championship due to playing Two, two games, three games a week. So when they looked at it like that, they said, well, okay, we'll, we'll invest. And, and at the time, obviously, it was a lot of money, but when you grand scheme of things, it was pretty a safe bet. Um, and then obviously went on to, to feature, I think I missed one game in my Everton yeah. career, yeah. Um, which I'm gutted about because I would have <laughs> held the record for most consecutive games. Uh, but yeah, obviously went there and then I think it was for five years, um, didn't miss a game for five years in total, which is uh, something I'm proud of. What was your perception of the club before you arrived then? Um, I didn't really have one, um, to be honest. Um, I knew a few of the players, obviously, um, but it was funny because when I came there, um, Joseph Yoba asked me what position I played, so that kind of gave <laughs> me a homework. Yeah, so it was kind of like, where do you play? And I was like, oh, I'll play at the back. And I'm thinking, oh, there's probably other players like that that yeah. don't know who I am, um, what I'm capable of. So that was kind of uh, a wake-up call for me um, and just give me a little bit of determination. And obviously, we had the likes of Alan Stubbs and, and David Weir, who were club legends. And obviously, to, to kind of discard them from the team, it was going to be a tough task. I had to win over everyone, obviously, because they were fans' favourites as well. So it was going to be difficult, but I was confident that, given the opportunities, I, I could do that. I mean, you look at the, the money, I mean, I think it was two million that we paid initially and then yeah. rising up to five with add-ons and stuff like that. I mean, for us at the time, to give it some context, financially it wasn't the best of situations for Everton at the time, so yeah. I say that in sort of jest about Dither yeah. and Dave, but yeah. I suppose from his side of things, he had to be that thorough given the fact that there wasn't the free, freedom of finances to throw around. and. That must have come with the pressure for you as well for arriving because it was a relatively yeah, um, big money fee for us at that time. I, I, again, I don't never looked at that. I've never looked at that throughout my career because I was just wanted to showcase what I could do, and I was confident that if I did that, any fee would have been justifiable. Mm. So, um, as long as I could be given the opportunities to play, I, I was confident I could perform because I, I believed I had a work ethic um, as uh, that would. Kind of rival anyone else. Mm. I mean, you think back to the squad that you joined, and I mean, it was a really interesting time. Evan, what, what was it like in, internally? I know we're going to get on to David Moyes in a bit. Yeah. But, um, as a group, was it a tight knit as, as it sort of the perception was given off outwardly? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny because, again, it wasn't. Um, I knew Lee Carsley, who I've just worked with recently, and we still speak about that squad because it was a great squad yeah. to be a part of, um, very tightly, as you suggest. Um, but yeah, um, it was probably the second half of the season when I really felt I was part of the, the squad because obviously they've been together a number of years, mm -hmm. and I joined with AJ and Tim. Tim was coming from Man United, so they knew him, and AJ hit the ground running, yeah. scoring a number of goals, yeah. obviously scored in the derby, so. He was an instant court hero, um, so to kind of to be a part of that, I kind of thought it took me a little bit longer. Not that anyone kind of pushed me away, but just felt that I needed to do a little bit more than the likes of them two players to kind of be a part of the the, the team and the squad. Yeah, in in that first season, as you mentioned, um, coming to the side and, and played pretty much every game, uh, the team started off really well that year, didn't they? In yeah. terms of the, I think after the derby when they were at the top of the league at one point, I remember <laughs> coming up on the on the uh, on, on the big screen at Goodson Park. Um, for yourself, playing at left back, is, is that something yeah. that, that was new for you? Yeah, as I said, my debut against Watford was at left back. Um, I'd never played there before, um, never thought about playing there before. Um, and it was strange because 
obviously I was disappointed not to start that game due to it being Watford and they just come into the league the same the same time yeah, as yeah. me so I was thinking well the managers that think I'm capable of playing against Watford who are relatively <laughs> new Premier League team yeah. then who am I going to play against kind of thing how am I going to be forced I'm ready so um, to come on and it didn't go too well um, I remember my first pass I tried to pass into midfield and it was like you got cut out and I heard the fans oh get me back a chance of <laughs> yeah and then we obviously we um, we won the game I think 2-1 um, and then driving home I remember uh, honestly a fan pulling up alongside me and abusing me I was like oh this is like that was some fun yeah oh, dear. I, was, I was like oh Jesus Christ here we go so kind of just like what have I done uh, yeah, yeah so um Kind of just obviously got home, spoke to support people that I had around me, brother, mum, wife, um, and just kind of reassured me that it's early, it's very early, it's like one game in, so, and then I think it was three days that we played Blackburn, um, weirdly enough, I could probably remember all the games, um, <laughs> we played Blackburn and I was on the bench, and um, I think Alan Stubbs got injured, and that came on at half-time, but I was going on centre-half, and it was totally different, my first touch now was a goal kick I headed a goal kick yeah. it went out for a goal kick again <laughs> and that just kind of gave me a bit of confidence and reassurance yeah. that yeah I know I'm a set of wrath um, and it went from there obviously then the, then the third game was Spurs away um, and that was a great win obviously we hadn't won there in a number of years and did you score in that one? no I don't I was just using before after yeah, yeah, I think, scored, yeah, yeah I think um, Killer got sent off early doors that's we it, was, yeah. We was like 10 men for yeah. a while. But AJ scored. Yeah, AJ, goal, yeah. yeah, AJ scored and then we just held on. And yeah, I should have scored later, to be fair. I don't remember a cross <laughs> coming in, I missed it back post. But yeah, I should have done better. But yeah, it was. Um, and then after that was kind of, that was it. Um, played about another five or six games, centre half. And then the first game where I kind of realised I was going to be a left back was against Sheffield United at home. And the manager came to me and said, Nuno and Gary Naismith were injured. Yeah. Do you mind? And I just explained it's different this time. I feel a lot more confident than I did making my debut. Um, I'll give it my best, best try. And then that was it. Then I think I stayed the rest of the season. That <laughs> my season to him then was at the front row of the paddock. Yeah. Uh, next to the guy, the street. So you, you were always on my side. Yeah. Rampaging yeah. down that way. <laughs> yeah. and, and I've got to say, I mean, it, it looked in an inspired decision, yeah. to be honest with you, because yeah. I think you were just really able to open up, weren't you, yeah. and, and, and sort of express yourself on the ball. That's the thing, yeah. I, um, I used to love running forward. I used to, and I was never. Less with blistering pace, but I used to think well, I'm quite fit, so if I can tire them out yeah. before, so when we get to the last stages, I won't be exposed pace wise. Yeah. I used to just kind of just run up and down and just think, well, you're gonna have to track me, so you're gonna get tired, and you're gonna get bored. So, yeah. but often than that, I was then we had the likes of Mikal and Stevie that were reliable in possession, so I could make runs and time runs and, and get in. Do you think from that position as well? I mean, your attributes. You say they're like about your fitness. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine a, a lot of right backs weren't used to, or right wings weren't used to come up against players like yourself in that position. Because I, I remember one watching a show that year. I think it was um, as it was, it was a pundit on Sky, and someone was talking about you playing at left back, and he said. It's awkward having a right footed player playing left back as well. I was thinking he's not even right footed. I, yeah. so I think I think that just sort of sums up like people didn't know what what yeah. you brought to that position. Yeah, no. As I said, I was I was weirdly I was right footed until about fifteen, <laughs> and then just naturally went to left because that's what it was. Um, but yeah, I was able to kind of use when needed. Not always great, but I could use my right foot. But um, yeah, as I said I loved running forward. But what I enjoyed the most was one on one. Because I knew it was me versus them, so to have that aspect of it, that's probably the one element I missed more than, than any other position. You kept Leighton Baines out at left back. Yeah. And you think of bona fide legends, yeah. Everton Football Club these days, he's certainly yeah. one of them. 100%. Uh, in, in a bad spell for trophies and stuff. Yeah. And you kept him out for a year. I think there was even talk of him having to actually move on yeah. because he sort of blocked out that position. I mean, yeah. looking back on it now, you must find it quite funny. I mean, did, yeah, did you ever it, speak to him? Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we're still friends, and that was the thing. It was, it was weird because when he was joining the club, um, the manager obviously said to me that they're in for a later, um, and if um, you kind of say you want to play left back and you're happy to play there, then um, we won't need to kind of invest in it. And I was like. I knew what I was going to say anyway, but the kind of detailed version was we had actually called at left back for England. <laughs> it was the best yeah, left back for yeah. me that England have had, yeah. and at the time in the world, 
I was never going to dislodge Ashley Cole at left back for England, and that was the ambition was to play for England. So it made no sense for me, kind of trying to perfect that craft. Um, obviously, it's a lot more running. So as much as I enjoyed it, it would have been a lot. <laughs> probably would have took a couple of years off me. Um, so I was like, no, I feel that given opportunity at centre half, I can be as good as what we've got in the squad. Um, Leighton's obviously a great player, so invest in him, and he came, and instantly, it was weird. The fact that we were rivals in the position, but we were best friends. Like yeah. we'd never met before, um, but we were close. Um, probably my closest friend at the club. Um, still speak not as often as we should, but yeah, it was um, it was it was awkward at times. But we kind of respected each other. We always used to work. Every bits that we used to do, we did together. So it was kind of weird. Was it, was it, sorry, I was just going to say, you know, that those sorts of conversations. You must have had a training and a, and a bit of the banter. You must have had. Was it was it a case of like, well. You know, I'm, I want to move to centre half. Like, it's not my fault. He keeps picking me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he knew. He knew. Kind of that was the case, um, um, and that was it. So it was never like, well, I'm saying one thing to Lennon and then saying another thing to, to the manager. It was like, you know, I don't want to play there. It was, there was evidence of me not wanting to play there. I wanted to, obviously, be an England international, even though that wasn't going to be easy with the likes of John Terry and, and Rio Ferdinand. But yeah, my natural position. The best chance of me being national was was at centre half. And as I said, it was awkward um, because me and Leighton were so close, but we never kind of let it affect our friendship or our professionalism. Yeah, I mean, do, do you think Leighton's got the, the credit he deserves as a footballer? Because I think, I think you mentioned there about Ashley Cole and the way he sort of nailed down that English spot. He probably didn't play for England yeah. as many times as he could. He, he's quite a, quite a reserved character. You don't see him in the media very yeah. often. You don't really see many people talking about him. Yeah. Obviously, he's contracts up at the end of the season at Everton as well, which you know. Devastates us as supporters, and he might be moving on. But I think maybe he's not quite got the, the crazy desire for his career. Um, definitely not. But I think he would want it that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. As you said, you probably know him better than I do. But I, I put him in the category of David Silva and Sergio Aguero that go on the stage because they don't want the limelight. Yeah. Um, and just enjoy what he does. Get on with it. He does what is expected of him. Um, and if it kind of grains attention. <laughs> He's probably go a bit more reserved and shy away from that. But when you get to know him, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny, so dry. Uh, but yeah, no, nah, as I said, he definitely doesn't get the, um, the credit he deserves. But I'm sure he's, he's happy with that. In, in your second season, um, carried on playing a left back for a bit, a bit more in between the positions. But you scored ten goals mm-hmm. in all competitions. Um, was there anything behind that? Do you think, or was it was just one of those seasons where, where everything just seemed to drop for you? Because I think I remember there were a few from open play, but a lot of them seemed to be worth from set pieces and getting the back post and yeah. them in. I mean, was that something that you were focused on a lot more in training? Yeah, at that no. point, it was just well, I used to think, well, I'm going off for set pieces, so cause be a nuisance but I never was one to just kind of run back as soon as it was cleared off well let's wait second phase maybe Um, and I remember I scored a couple of goals and then Tim Howard said to me that I wouldn't get five and then we played Metalist and that was my fifth goal and we had a bet, so I remember celebrating to him, saying, "Yeah, you owe me." <laughs> <laughs> that was in September. Time, yeah, was that was it? early. Yeah. yeah, so that was quite early, to be fair. And then again, I think after, soon after that, we played um, Bolton away. Um, and at the time, I think at half time, I've been told I wasn't playing the best uh, in a sort of way. <laughs> um, and then I just remember just going that second half, thinking, "Oh." Like fuming basically and then scored the winner like late on and then I think it was that day or that weekend I got the call that I was going to be in the international uh, in England so that was kind of a great time um, but then going back to the goals um, kind of dried up a bit then I was never going to keep up that form and that kind of ratio uh, but then I think it was February when the managers pulled me in the office and said you're on seven or eight goals now so like he said, he, I remember when I scored 10, that's what he said about himself, and I was thinking, not the same, it's not quite the same league, uh, but yeah, um, so that was kind of a, a little bit of an incentive then, and then the last goal was against um, Newcastle at home, yeah, get Shea given, so again, we all, we all know quite well, and even that season, I've scored a few against your heart as well, so that was uh, that was nice, yeah. Yeah, good fun, good friends to yeah. make that out yeah. <laughs> um, you, you Just going back to what you said about um, being told you weren't playing well at half-time, and that came at Bolton. Was that I believe that the manager who still yep. do that? I mean, he comes across as quite a, a dour character, David Moyes. 
yeah. instances like that? Was he? Was it everybody sat down and was quiet while he spoke? Type of thing. Was there's no authority yeah, yeah. about him? Oh, definitely, definitely had that authority and that respect, um, and a little bit of fear. Obviously, it was um, it was new for me to kind of play in the Premier League, so I had almost respect for him to kind of to buy me. Um, but yeah, throughout my career there, it was like it was like love hate. We'd go ups and downs and. Well, we kind of we knew we appreciated each other. I yeah. knew I had to give my all for the team and for him. And he kind of, in the greatest respect, knew that he picked me and I would do that. So yeah, there was times when we didn't get on um, before the kind of the, the transfer. But overall, it was um, great, and, we, and we're still good friends now. So were you, were you someone to say you, you thought you were playing? Yeah. Were you sort of self say, say back to him, come on, David? Like, no, not not, not at the time. But yeah. I would definitely address any issues um, that I thought were right because I was very. Kind of, I could analyse games. I wouldn't need to watch stuff back. Yeah. I knew if I made a mistake, I knew there and then at half time after the game. I wouldn't need to watch the video to then see if I was right or wrong. I'd know if I was right or wrong before. So when other managers as well deal with emotion and, and fly off the bat and kind of do that, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, are you sure? Yeah. So I kind of know that because it happened with other managers that. They kind of questioned me, and I said, "Have you seen what's happened prior to that for me for my decision?" Mm -hmm. They look back and, and, and apologise. So, as I said, throughout my career, I felt I've always been able to to kind of analyse that. Um, that 0708 season, you mentioned the Metalist goal. I mean, that was a huge turning point for us at that yeah. time. Getting into, we had the disappointment to uh, would have been the season before you came in the Champions mm. League and stuff like that. Um, was there a feeling of that the, the club was in a position where they could go and attack uh, European competitions and things like that? Because it felt like a huge hurdle to get over in, in Metalist and it was probably a catalyst for bigger and better things to come that season yeah, in Europe. Um, for me, no, because the set was all new to me. I was just grateful to be there and be a part of that. Um, obviously, to the older players that have been there a lot longer than me, they was kind of obviously more aware of what it meant. Um, but that run, obviously the likes of me, James Vaughan, Victor, um, we were all new to the squad, um, so we just had a fresh approach. Uh, and obviously, being younger at that time, um, you kind of have no fear. Though. Now you kind of don't worry about the consequences. Uh, you just get on with it and, and kind of just play with a bit of freedom that I wish I played with kind of later on throughout my career. Mm. Um, you mentioned that uh, we've got the Europa League uh, run um, at the moment on the blue. We were doing a series about. Goodison Diaries, um, looking back at everyone's favourites, Knights of Goodison Park before oh. um, the football club obviously moves to Bramley Moor. Um, involved in that Fiorentina game. Yeah, I was to say, yeah, that um, game there. Is that, is that one that stands out for you? Yeah, definitely. There was, to be fair, I was, me and Lee Carthy were speaking about this. Um, night games in Europe and obviously that season. Sunday afternoon games, the atmosphere for them games was just like, it was probably more, it was probably better than Saturday afternoons. Yeah. Um, Saturday afternoon traditional fixture, but the special ones when you thought, well, we're the only teams playing. Um, it was an extra bit of excitement around the place. But yeah, the, um, the Florentina game, having gone there and kind of been disappointed and being rubbed. I think Tim Cale scored a, a wonder goal. We got this allowed over a kick. Um, and then to come back uh, and have that game and that pressure. And that's kind of what I enjoyed. Um, I think I'd signed a contract the day, a new contract the day before or that day. Um, and kind of was just obviously over the moon. Um, excited and we obviously won the game 2-0 and then unfortunately went out on pens but yeah that kind of occasion is um, not typifies like, the atmosphere that it can be at, at Goodison. Um, and in that season as well was the, the genesis of your partnership with Phil Jagielka yeah. uh, which obviously really kicked into gear in, in, in the following season afterwards. Um, Jack is still at the club I mean what was it about him as, as a person and a player that sort of got you to gel so well as a duo? Well, our birthdays were day apart. <laughs> so that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had the same agent at younger age groups um, and we played together. England kind of set up some. We, I think I broke into Wolves the year before he broke into Sheffield. So we were kind of knew each other um, and we just had a, like a little natural bond through that. Um, but then coming to Everton, um, Obviously, uh, it was difficult for Jags at the start, he didn't play much. Um, but when we did play, I knew I could trust him, and that was massive for a defender. Uh, I knew that he wasn't not playing for himself, he was playing as a partnership, and he, and he believed that, well, if we do well, we both play. And I felt the same, so kind of just a natural 
understanding. Um, and lucky enough, we played for, for England together. Um, and it was the same there. He was kind of, I think, um, Fabio Capello uh, tried to expose us against uh, Spain yeah. one time. Um, there was Spain and Sweden. And he thought, well, I'll just put these in here, um, let them take the brunt of the defeat. Yeah. And then we won the game, kind of, we both obviously had to play well <laughs> to win that game. Um, but yeah, no, we just had a, an understanding, appreciation for each other. And they're still friends now, our, our children are similar ages and our boys are in the same class and stuff. You, you, know, you said there about him, him coming in, I remember him playing in central midfield yeah. and playing at right back. I mean, given you went through something similar, is that something you guys would speak about? You know, you know, eventually we you know, play Sentinel together, are you, Jags? Yeah, yeah, well, that was the plan. Um, but yeah, I just kind of had to say, well, just, just do your best. And Jags, is, you know, he'd do that anyway. He'd do mm. 100% maximum effort regardless of where he was playing. Um, Obviously, when it's not going well, you just want to play your position so you can kind of get back to familiarity and obviously what you're used to. But yeah, it was um, say it was hard for Jags at the start. And that's one of the things that we, me and the manager kind of had a disagreement about was that I remember him saying, um, he's not judging Jags in midfield. And I'm thinking, well, I'll be judged at left back. And I'll be <laughs> left back so. <laughs> yeah. You might have put your well left back. Yeah, that's what I mean. So that was kind of one of the weird ones. But yeah, no, as I said, overall, um, Jags has been a great servant to the club. And I still believe he's as good as any set of half mm. that they've got at the club. As a captain, um, I think it'd be fair in saying that He's had his critics in terms of being a leader because he's not the most shouty. He, yeah. he leads by example, exactly. and you'll have seen a lot of that in your career, players. You mentioned David Silva, Aguero, David Silva, captain of Man City. Yeah. Not the most popular characters by any means. Mm. I mean, is the is the room in the game? Is that the, can you still react to a captain who's who's that way out as opposed to somebody who will scream and shout in your face? Yeah, as I said, if you. are player that's playing for the team and, and the club then it doesn't really matter who's got the armband as I said Mikel was never that vocal what he led by example um, I'm sure there was captains prior to that that were vocal that wasn't as good as an effective as Mikel and Jags have been so you kind of take the rough with the smooth as a captain but in terms of what he's offered to the club and how consistent he's been over his time there I think he's he's got to be regarded as, as one of the good ones Just randomly moments come to my head about a goal he scored and, and I think it'll be pretty high on your list against Villa. Yeah. The sort of semi, I mean, I called it an overhead kick at the time. He wasn't overhead kick. It wasn't overhead kick. <laughs> 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 That's not kids if you look at the still of it, the, the height yeah. of your foot, I mean, it, it's in someone's head. I think it's my right foot, yeah, as yeah. I said, I was. Um, you scored two that day, didn't you? Yeah, I scored yeah. a brace. And it was, again, another bit, a good friend of mine, Jordan Stewart. We was having bets that we just consistently had bets who would score the most goals in the season. And he, I think he, uh, He'd scored like a couple in in like three or four games, so he'd gone ahead of me. I was like, yeah, but I'll just score a brace, like <laughs> just, just bantering. And he said, if you do that, bets off, then you win. And then like two weeks after, I scored a brace. I was like, mate, but we lost the game. Obviously, it was unbelievable. Uh, end to that game. It was horrible. Yeah, as I said, I still still good about that. Um, still blaming Jags for staying up front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, get back. To win it, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. So now, nah, obviously, um, yeah, I was. See, I think I scored about five or six goals against Villa. Yeah, in total. Yeah, I remember your celebration that day. I just, to be fair, I just, um, I didn't think I was going to do that before. You don't know you're going to score as a yeah. defender, but yeah, you're giving you plenty yeah, of stick. Games, right? yeah, yeah, plenty of stick. I've always kind of had a bit of stick from Villa, um, and then. I kind of thought, let me just kind of aggravate them, and back then you could take your shirt off and not get a yellow card. So <laughs> yeah, I just thought that would be that would be quite quite nice. <laughs> um, that second season again, going back to the European run, it felt like there was a real momentum behind the club, and, and they were achieving new things, getting to that stage of the Europa League. As a player, how important was the Europa League for you in in sort of figuring in the priorities in your career? I mean, was it something that obviously you want to play at the highest level, but going yeah. to the Europa League, travelling all over the place, there's Seem to be like seasons upon seasons yeah. with the games in it. How did you cope with that sort of that, thing? Well, the, the, that's, that's what I mean. I'll go back to the championship. That's like playing in the championship. Obviously, the level's a lot higher. Mm-hmm. But in regards to physicality and the demand, I was used to that. So I was probably used to that more so than, than players that are in the squad because to play and, and mentally prepare yourself and, and stay kind of fit and recover right and eat right. I, I was used to doing that. Um, I knew I had to do that more so going into the Premier League because I've never played there. Um, so that side of it was easy and, and travelling to places I've never been and 
seeing and playing at clubs and countries I'd never done before was just added bonus to all of that, to be fair. I, I love to play and to kind of have that extra games was, was great. The huge burden at our football club is the fact we haven't won a trophy since 95. Did, was that something that was pressed on you quite a lot, not just from fans, but also was there a pressure internally that the club needed to win a trophy? No, no, it wasn't a pressure. There was kind of a demand from the group within that we wanted to win that. Um, obviously, the closest would have been the FA Cup. Um, I don't think there was ever a time where we honestly believed we were going to win Europa League. We hoped we would win. Obviously, mm. there were some top teams in there, but we believed we could beat any team, um, especially at Goodison. Um, the of course, you beat Janice. That's yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. And we beat them and they had um, Skirtle and... Who's the... Sh Asherin uh, played. Yeah, Asherin, yeah. yeah. So, kind of, I remember thinking that. And that was a different format then. You didn't play home and away, did you? You just played yeah. home or you, they picked the fixtures. So, I kind of remember seeing them at the end, not knowing much about them before the game, but then obviously seeing them win it, realising what we could have achieved if we kind of had a bit more, a bit more about us. But, um, yeah, obviously the FA Cup would have been the most disappointed um, having never played in one before that and getting to the final um, the occasion um, the build up and that we didn't get carried away we didn't kind of let it consume us or overwhelm us we just kind of believed um, that we could give Chelsea a game but at that time Chelsea were, were a joke weren't they to be fair I remember when Louis scored and it was just like they keep tough again. It was like nothing could happen. I remember thinking, <laughs> are they not going to play long? Are they not going to rush any yeah. any player? It was just yeah. they just was calm and yeah. just believed in the process and <clears throat> Dragburn and Alka and Lampard and Bala. I'm like, yeah, well, you probably got a good chance of scoring a goal. Well, but that run you were on that season. I mean, the teams we beat in that run. Yeah. Obviously went to Anfield, got the back to Goodison. That, that I was scored that game. You yeah, did, yeah. yeah. Well, Great yeah. celebration yeah. as well. Oh, exactly. I mean, you must that was been, funny. I was going to yeah. go wild in front of the cup, but um, you just pointed and laughed at them. Yeah, Victor there? pulled me away. Victor Chibi kind of <laughs> sensibly said, "No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no." So don't do that. So you playing up Victor? <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was kind of because obviously not a fan of them at all. Um, <laughs> personal abuse, everything. Obviously, yeah. the stick yeah. received, but also what it means to, to kind of be an Evertonian and to kind of you never like your rivals but there's an extra bit of a dislike for them from what you're saying it sounds like that was impressed on you quite early as soon as you moved I mean obviously every club has its derby like yeah. you'll know being from the Midlands but that was, was that something that quite quickly adapted to knowing that there was a massive divide between these two clubs yeah um, obviously a lot of the staff that work at the club are Everton fans like most clubs um, but Chibi Cobra uh club legend it was funny because I didn't realise it was about three four weeks when I realised he would never say Liverpool he would use a word that I won't use you can use it for them like and I was like is he not saying is he doing that on purpose and I just then it brought dawn to me he would never he would never use the word he would never say that team and I was like oh wow it means that much and then I remember like obviously sponsors from boot sponsors and being told you can't wear certain colour boots, red boots, and then made my debut for England and um, Adidas boots were red at the time and I had to wear them, I couldn't not wear them. I remember getting a call from David Moyes after the game saying congratulations but don't bring them boots back <laughs> to the training ground. Is that something that, because I mean we've had some, I don't know if you were aware of this, but when Malakoum was the Everton manager, he put, posted a picture on Twitter of his Christmas tree. Yeah I know. Had red decorations mm. on it, a lot of people complained about that. I mean, I, I personally look at that sort of stuff and think maybe that pettiness and that, that sort of obsession with Liverpool might, might hold the club back in some respects. I mean, um, as a player as well, you must sort of think, well, come on, I'm only wearing red boots. I know, I get, the, I get the boots more than the Christmas one, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Christmas, Christmas is red. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've I'd, I'd, I'd played for Everton and Man City, so Christmas is red. But in regards to the boots, I kind of get that. Um, but yeah, when I, when I, when I realised how much it means, it was. Um, it's, uh, I'm not saying it meant more to Everton fans yeah. than it did to say Wolves at West Brom and City United. It just obviously means a lot. I mean, our record is appalling against them, particularly yeah. in recent years. Yeah. I mean, I think it was only a year after you left, left was the last yeah. time we beat them, yeah, know, yeah. to be honest. Um, was, was there a fragility, um, even maybe from the manager or the players, approaching these games? There was the next intensity that you thought maybe... You know, you spoke about saying the last back cup final. Yeah. Was there a feeling that things should have maybe been more like that approaching Merseyside derbies? Because my perception from the outside is that we tend to get caught up in 
what a derby really is and there's yeah. too much intensity going into it from our point of view? Um, well, when I was there, no, because we were quite successful. I think mm. Liverpool, they knew they was in for a game. Mm. We had the kind of mentality, um, the core of players that had embedded in everything history, but also the kind of quality as well. We had a lot of quality there. I'm not saying we had more than, than the current squad, but we had a lot of quality, so they couldn't underestimate what we could do. Um, so I think at that time, again, young players, inexperienced in the Premier League, so they probably don't know as much, um, like, not knowing. I didn't know much about Victor achievement when I came, but I know no defender would want to play against yeah. him kind of thing. So it was kind of that about at the time as well. Um, but in terms of the approach, it was detailed. It was what it needed to be. More uh, shoulder than other games? Or? Not really. Um, David Moyes was very for it was it was funny because he w- he would say like not just the Liverpool game but any anyone you played against he would say he goes to the left he always goes to the left always but he, <laughs> but he might go to the right <laughs> don't say that <laughs> yeah so they're the kind of things he would say yeah yeah so I told you I told you he goes to the right so they're the kind of things yeah they're the kind of details but you no know, no it was it wasn't more or less than kind of than he needed um, but obviously it means a lot more and to play my first one and win that three 0 and then kind of realise a lot of my friends um, growing up support them uh, again from Birmingham randomly um, so that was kind of nice to come and they even come as Everton fans obviously they were fans of me more than fans of Liverpool so to come to them my first derby and be a part of that was, was great You mentioned uh, obviously about the derbies and Dave mentioned about Everton not quite getting over the line in terms of trophies one of the one of the, the, the person a lot of people attribute that to is David Moyes and a lot of people talk about his attitude going into those games sort of playing down the team and I remember one phrase he used a, few, a couple of years after you left was taking a knife to a gunfight for a game against Manchester City I mean did, was he like that behind closed doors as well in terms of trying to keep expectations down take the pressure off you guys and, and if he uh, was did, did you sort of think that you could have done with a little bit more ambition from him at times um, I don't know if it was intentionally doing that but yeah there was times when he did play it down um, rightly or wrongly who knows um, that's the way he did it and he was successful doing that so for him it was good um, as a group of players we knew what we were capable of but if we kind of embedded what he'd asked of us um, and kind of what, what the beauty of David Moyes and the team had then was we kind of changed our style and approach to whoever we were playing against um, there were certain things we did obviously regardless of who we were playing against but if you ask at that time we were like a high pressing team and stuff like that which is kind of the first team you kind of recognised to do that so we had a different approach to them and that was quite successful there was a number of times when we give, give yeah. Garson a good game um, and it was different for United and obviously for Liverpool at them times When he said stuff like that because I mean I, I used to speak to him week to week and he, he would say things like and it, I'll be honest it used to infuriate me as a fan because he'd say stuff like seven's the best Everton can do or mm. you know I'm paraphrasing there of course yeah, yeah. but he, he seemed to, I don't know whether it was because he felt he wasn't getting the credit he deserved as Everton manager, but it, it seemed as if he, he, like Matt says, downplayed expectations. But if you're hearing that as a player, you, you just a little bit earlier when we were talking, you were talking about um, how you had a defiance for something he told you at a ball mm. and a half time. Was that something that would rile you as a player and think, do you know what, I need to prove him wrong, we yeah. can go further in seventh place? But, um, from that point of view, was it a tactic from him, do you think? I don't know, probably. Uh, maybe Um, but personally yeah I definitely used it as a motivation to kind of because in the greatest respect to Everton David Moyes whoever I wasn't doing it for any of them I was doing it for myself for first and foremost so I remember going back to that bottom game reading in um, the programme that quotes from him saying defensively he's he's okay but on the ball he could could use work and again um, my first season uh, we had a run of games um, it was after the, I, went, I just moved to left back. We played Sheffield United, Watford, Arsenal, Chelsea, and I think United in the five-game spell. And I think I think we'd, we'd lost two or three. Watford was the last game, and I think I'd got man of match in three of the games. Mm. And I remember him pulling me after Watford away. We drew one-one as he scored and won the goal. And uh, he said to me, "I've had a call for you to go in England team." I've told him you're not ready. I've said, what do you mean? And he said, uh, defensively, I think you're capable of playing. But I just think you need a lot more work on the ball, um, in possession. And I was like, 
wow, how can that be good for anyone? Yeah. Like, mm. regardless, my confidence alone. Um, but it kind of gave me the motivation to think, well, if you think that, let me work on that. Um, and so make sure that's not a reason the next time they're called. Um, but the next time they're called was the following season. Um, and... They didn't, there wasn't calling to ask his opinion. There was calling to kind of confirm I was in the squad. So, so they they call him to see you. But the first time, um, the first you time they get did him on his advice. You well, I, I don't say I'm not saying that was the reason, but yeah. he, he told me that well, I was going to go into the squad and he kind of give his opinion, and then they kind of decided um, not to do that. But I said that um, that was just I just used it as motivation. Mm. Um, it was a constant reminder that. Obviously, there was bits of my game I needed to work on. If he felt that, there was obviously other people that looked at it the same way. So I kind of had to, to work on that. But I mean, it must have been frustrating for yourself. You know, I mean, you mentioned there about you, you were thinking a lot about England and you know, yeah. said about Ashley Gold playing left back and that sort of thing. I mean, it must have been quite galling for you for a while and difficult to get over. You maybe had a chance to play for England. Yeah, maybe earlier. Yeah, 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 of course. But as I said, it was, I have no regrets throughout my career. Um, that was just a. A thing that I kind of used to motivate me, and I would, that's what I would do with every kind of hurdle. I would use it as motivation to kind of get the best out of myself and maximise what I was given, and that was kind of a, a level of ability, but also a mental strength to kind of deal with the other dim scenarios. Going back to that FA Cup, um, yeah, we beat some fantastic teams. Beat United in the semi-final on pens. Jag scored the winner, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Having not scored the games, yeah, yeah, yeah that was well, good. So it's been a redemption for him. Did you ever think about taking no, the no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am not a hero. Um, yeah. I would never, I would never take that responsibility yeah. because, not because I wasn't confident that I could score, but I knew there was people that wanted that responsibility. Um, I remember again going to the Euros with England and we went to penalties against Italy and saying I will go last because I know the likes of Joe Hart want to take a pen and want to score. I didn't want to score the winner. It wasn't mm. a thing that I dreamt about. Yeah, maybe if it's a header from a corner or something like that, but penalties, I, defenders don't dream of scoring winning penalties yeah. <laughs> in yeah, competitions. Maybe, yeah. If I was took penalties like later, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So that final and obviously a massive part of our history, really. Mm. Um, it yeah. feels quite sad to say because we did win it, obviously, yeah. but um, did that feel like you were coming to the pinnacle of what this Everton side was about during your time there, getting to that cup final and then I suppose as a follow-up question after it, did it feel yeah. as if things were maybe going to unravel a little bit personally for yourself? Um, I'm not sure if it was the pinnacle, I didn't know kind of how far we could go, I just knew that keeping us together, I think um, cars had left then, um, I think Phil Neville was coming to the end as well, so it was obviously we were signing new players, younger players and again I grew into the history of the club in a short space of time so we were trying to then get a new batch of players to do the same and we were losing obviously a different generation, David Weir and Stubbs and stuff like that so it was different, it was going to be different times, I was kind of aware of that but in terms of what we could achieve or the pinnacle, it, it was hard because you never know, you can never, you can never, hindsight's a wonderful thing isn't it to say what we would have achieved if we would have kept us all together and, and added certain additions, I remember not having a striker for a Ages for, for half a season yeah. <laughs> and yeah. played Tim Tim and Feli uh, up front and <laughs> Ozzy and who else was it with Stephen yeah. off him so to kind of say them was our front four for a long period of time um, with no real pace and to achieve kind of what we did and obviously then Mikhail had, had changed positions who impressed me even more so due to the fact that mm. he, I knew he had quality and intelligence but the kind of commitment to, to get involved in tackles and kind of make that role his own was, was a credit to him there was an obvious lack of investments, as we know. You've had the financial troubles over the years. Um, as a player, I mean, I've always been curious to ask people this on the inside when you see that there's not that investment available to kick on. What's your reaction to that? I know you're a professional and you want to carry on with your job, but internally you might look at it and think, we need this to kick on. And maybe and even when players have left, you think for financial reasons. Yeah. You think, are we ever going to progress if this keeps happening? Two steps forward, one step back, type of thing. Um, I, I, it's hard. Um, I would have liked to have seen new players come in. I wouldn't say better players, but as I said, we're playing half a season with, with no striker then. We need investment. It's yeah. obvious kind of thing. Um, so that would have been nice, but as I said, obviously the manager knew what the club needed. But I think he also enjoyed the fact that given that we had probably 16 players that could play, um, the more players that he brought in, 
the more decisions would have had to be made, and he probably was was comfortable in that scenario. Um, obviously, touch wood, we were lucky at that time with injuries, so there wasn't many injuries, so the team kind of picked itself. So. I suppose that's the positive in having a few, like a tight, smaller yeah, squad, isn't it? as I said, yeah, and, and, and at Everton, obviously, you, you'll know more than me that it's a family club, so to kind of just invest, and I think you've seen it in the last couple of seasons, just, that just investing <laughs> and just getting the same batch of players, and like, for me, the club haven't invested wisely enough, They're like, great that we brought Wayne back, but then you buy players of similar position, and but Wayne and, and Russ at the time when he was there, would, Russ would have still been the best player. He bought mm, four yeah. centre halves, but Jags is still <laughs> yeah, the best yeah, kind yeah. of thing. So I'm thinking, well, what are we? Well, what he's kind of trying to do? Um, Glad you said we did. So after the 2009 final, um, how long after that was it apparent that Manchester City were, were after you? Always did you even know before? Um, yeah, I knew before there was interest, um, not kind of concrete interest, but I knew there was. There was obviously speculation um, about it. It was nothing. There was never a conversation uh, between me, the club. Um, I don't know if there was conversations between Man City and Everton, but there was never that. I just heard kind of rumblings. Um, obviously, went away and then came back to pre-season, and that's kind of when it all started um, to kick off. Um, was I made aware that obviously there was interest now to, to approach the club? Um, they wanted it to happen, um, and I kind of had to make the decision. Um, it was a lot harder than what was made out uh, but kind of where the age of my you know, I was in my career and the ambition of they had matched that um, it would have been great to kind of do that at Everton at that time would have been great but that wasn't the case um, they were investing and I thought well the best chance of me becoming potentially an England regular winning trophies was going to be at Manchester City and and again no disrespect to yourselves but I have that was obviously the best decision I made in my footballing career to, to kind of do that. Um, going over it and keeping quiet, um, it was hard because obviously there was a lot of things touted, the reasons why. And I say it for the, for the group, it was not just me, for the group of players that joined Man City that, at that time, the only reasons we were speculating joining there was for money. It wasn't for trophies. Yeah. It was, was a mercenary attached to it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and I kind of had to burden that for a while, but it was something that Again, I, I don't regret, um, but in terms of how it, uh, how it happened, I used to go in and see the manager every morning and say, well, after I made the decision, obviously we went away pre-season, um, I was committed to Everton. I did take a penalty in that pre-season. <laughs> we played the All-Stars. That's just because you didn't care anymore. No, no, no. Pre-season, it was pre-season, yeah. so I was confident there was no pressure of pre-season. <laughs> so um, we played that game and then... Um, I think um, I'd made my decision whilst there that I wanted to kind of tell the manager that I wanted to leave. So came back. We had a couple of days off when we came back, and then the first day we went back in after that after that tour, I went to see him and said, "If there's an opportunity, I'd, I'd like to leave." Um, he said no. I said okay. Um, how, how did you take that then? Was that obviously a blow for you? But yeah, given the way football is and was at that time, yeah, did it feel like you could force that through? Um, I don't know about force, but it was weird because but the way I look at it is it's the same as me leaving Wolves to join Everton. If Wolves wanted to say, no, we want to get promoted, we're not letting you go. And Everton's saying, well, you can come and play in the Premier League. Um, it's the same, different scales, obviously, more bigger scale, but it's the same kind of reasoning and for, for them wanting to keep me. So I understood the reason for that, but I was kind of aware that Man City were kind of obviously willing to pay more. Hmm. And probably my value at that time. Um, but as I said, I, I went to see him. Um, he said no, kind of got on with it. Next day, went to see him again, said I've still, still want to, want to do that, want to make that happen. Um, no, and we kind of fell out. It was uncomfortable. Um, I wasn't made to train with the team. Um, so that was kind of hard because now it was like, I'm, I'm not disruptive. I would never disrupt the sessions. Uh, I would never kind of disrespect mm. what he's trying to do. Um, I was, uh, I think the last game I was at was a European game mm. and was told to come to the game, um, which was, which was fine. Mm. But then I wasn't allowed in the dressing room to wish the lads good luck mm. before the game. And then the next day I was leaving kind of thing. And it was like, that was hard. Um, obviously got managed to speak to all the players before, but, Things like that was like kind of hard because you, 
I know I can speak to the players, but the staff that have kind of helped me achieve what I was about to achieve. And I wanted to say thank you to them. So not to see them before I'd left and the next time I'm seeing them, I'm in a Man City shirt. It's different when it's obviously you're talking to, to fans of the club that work for everything. Looking back at some of the, the coverage of that time, some of the things that David Moyes said, he used some pretty strong language in regards to what Manchester City did. I think he called them disgusting at one point for, for the way in which they handled the transfer. Um, I believe those are reports of the Premier League about an illegal approach and, and that kind of thing as well. I mean, well, it's. It, for yourself, I imagine it must have been really awkward just being sort of caught in the middle of all that. Yeah, well, it was. Um, and again, credit to, to kind of Man City as well, due to the fact that they kind of took some responsibility as well, but also kind of said to me, thank you for doing the same. Obviously, I had to take a bunch of that, but in terms of a legal approach, um, I don't know what class is a legal approach, but there was nothing that happened at Man City that didn't happen when I joined Everton. Mm. So they're both guilty of anything that mm. both clubs did kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it was ugly. Um, but I think the fact that it's such, it was such high profile um, just adds to that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it was um, it was hard to take that the fact that I was just being made as a scapegoat. And yeah. I knew... Before it happened, I knew it was going to happen because um, I was that B spoke to the board at Everton. And rightly or wrongly, there's people that at that time that were involved in Everton that were businessmen, that weren't football people. Mr. Kemwright, a football man, um, lovely guy. But the player, people that kind of his advisors were businessmen, so they were seeing, we've paid this, we're going to get that. Yeah. <laughs> Why not do it? So well, I kind of knew that once. Man City kind of said this was going to happen or we'll give you this it was going to go through so I was just waiting kind of thing and it was just disappointing that it was just aired out the way and it was all my fault and the club kind of didn't want to sell me and it was hard because I had to put a transfer request in and um, so what would I mean we see this in modern day yeah transfer requests and all that sort of thing what, what does that do in that situation I mean when you put a formal transfer request, well, does that change, change the goalposts yeah, well yeah it does because I kind of, I didn't put in Everton to the test, but I kind of thought, well, knowing the fans, if I put this transfer request in and Everton don't release it, I'm not going because they don't want, the fans wouldn't want me to put the request in, we stay and then have that kind of friction between us. So I'm thinking if they don't release it, I'm not going anywhere because they don't want that to happen. But if they do release it, they can't afford me to stay because yeah. the fans are going to be unforgiving yeah. regarding to that. So that was kind of a test I kind of put in place. I was like, well, let me just see how much they want me to stay and how much they kind of want me to go. So when I did it and it was released, I was kind of a little bit relieved the fact that, well, I kind of know now, knowing the Everton fans, you don't, you can't afford me to stay and have that kind of animosity. No way back. Yeah, thing. kind of. And I, and I kind of understood that. Yeah. Um, but. I was, just, I was hoping it didn't have to get to that, but that was the kind of the final straw. Mm. Just going back to the, the Moyes situation, I mean, I don't, I don't get the impression that he was particularly friendly at the best of times, given the way he comes across, um, like you said, a love-hate relationship mm. type of thing. During that process, was it personally difficult for you with him? Yeah, we didn't speak. We didn't speak after. Mm. When I first, my first probably year at City, um, <clears throat> Because I think well, my first year at City, I, I once, one I finally got injured randomly, um, but also um, we, I think we finished fifth at City. I'm talking about now, um, and Everton. I'm not sure where they finished, but due to the fact that it hadn't gone as well as kind of I'd, I'd, I'd hoped, um, I think there was a little bit of happiness. I remember you obviously Everton coming to Etihad and winning that game. I think Jack. Yeah. Set up Tim. Yeah, yeah, game. Old, yeah. yeah. so um, there was a lot of gloating going on in the tunnel, and that kind of hurt because I felt it was directed yeah. towards me. Yeah. Um, but was that from the manager? Everyone, yeah. um, not, not, not so much the players. The players were celebrating yeah. beating a kind of, again a top team. Yeah. So, but yeah, there was kind of a bit more than what needs to be. Yeah. A bit more than when I was there, we did kind of thing. We beat Man City when I was playing yeah. for Everton, and it was a lot more celebrative after that when I wasn't there. So. Kind of realised that he's took it personal, but I kind of took it personal as well. But so we didn't really speak as as much as say we do now, and as close as we are now. Um, our relationship's great now. Obviously, signed me at Sunderland, but there was a, there was a period of time where he was uncomfortable, and 
I was grateful for David Moyes bringing me to Everton, so I didn't want it to, to be like that, and I'm sure he, he didn't either. Yeah, I remember in that uh, pre-season, there was a game which you played against Malaga yeah. at home, and you played in that, and, and the fans very much got behind you, yeah. singing your name throughout. Yeah. You know, I think it was at that point, it looked like it was going to happen, but it was almost yeah. like everyone in the ground was like, come on, let's, let's give it one, let's, yeah, let's, let's yeah, go for it to yeah. stay. I remember that game, yeah. As I said, I'm, 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 it was hard because... I like to think I'd give more for Everton and the fans were great to me as well, so um, it was hard that to kind of that it had to, to go that way, but it was just something I needed to do. Um, and then it still carried on, I think, the following year when Stephen was leaving for, for, uh, for Spurs and the manager went out and said I couldn't pick him because remember what happened in a similar mm. situation last year, I was thinking, it's not about me, yeah. it's about you and Stephen and I can go on record to say I never refused to play for Everton, I know that was documented. Um, I remember going in before the Arsenal game and um, saying, Gaffer, like, I told you I wanted to go numerous times. Um, mentally, um, my head's all over the shop. Um, I'm ready to play if selected. Um, but if you choose not to pick me, then that's fine. He said, Don't, you will play tomorrow. I said, OK, I'm ready to play. Um, what was your take on that, though? I mean, did you feel as if, in some way, it was a little bit of a vindictive thing, as in to sort of throw you to the Lions? No, because no, it was, as I said... Um, he knew I would still give my all, but at that time my all wasn't as good as what it's been previous because where my head was that kind of thing. Um, it wasn't. I wasn't trying any any less. I remember thinking, be more for that game to kind of not give anyone an excuse to kind of do that. And we lost the game. Was it four one? It's funny. We lost the game four one, and obviously, like it's six 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 one. Sorry, six one. Sorry. I remember thinking personally, I don't. Obviously, I could have done better. Um, but I wasn't directly at fault for any goals and I'm thinking grateful for that but the game was just mine as the game I kind of tossed off which is it was which always going to be that way yeah, wasn't it yeah. whatever but then fast forward go to Man City we play uh, we play Arsenal at home a few weeks later and one of the goals directly was my fault but we win and I'm thinking only like football, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like crazy how, how it's done, like you know what I mean. So it was just one of them, but yeah, disappointing to kind of end it like that. And for a period of time, Everton kind of the fans then kind of had a bit of hatred there, which, mm. which is uncomfortable because as I said I never wanted it to be like that. And going forward, then I kind of not dwelled on it a, a, a bit, but I used to kind of put in comparison that. That's what Everton did to kind of Michael Keane when he was at Burnley, doing well at Burnley, but then you want to fancy mm, him to yeah. the next level, you go and purchase him, and that's kind of what Man City wanted it's to do. It's as fickle as it gets, mate, yeah. you know, oh, you know yeah, the game, yeah, yeah. next day can change to something completely different. Yeah. 100%, yeah, so that's the way it is. <clears throat> yeah. um, you mentioned there about the fans and, and Gunnarsson Park and that kind of thing, and how you've sort of almost had both sides of it, the Fiorentina game and coming back. Um, when you are an Everton player, can it be a difficult place to play there sometimes? Um, it's it's we, not going well, yeah. yeah in, in recent years, obviously, we've got people like Ross come through, and more recently, like Tom Davis. Yeah, who, good lads. I was working yeah. with him, um, John, uh, John Joe, Hugh, uh, and that um, England. So yeah, they're, they're great guys. They serenaded me for like half an hour, like just karaoke <laughs> machine. They were just like absolutely every song that come on. They were just adding my name into all the lyrics. So they're good guys. But I mean, for them in particular, I think as, as local players, they tend to get, get a bit of stick. And I think with the team not doing so well in recent years, it, it, it feels like all it takes is one straight pass or, or one bad decision to sort of set yeah. the crowd off. Yeah, you mentioned it when you on your day. Yeah, definitely, yeah. It's going to be hard for them. One, they're as passionate as any fan that goes to watch the games. They are fans that are lucky enough to play for the club. But also, they're always going to have the comparison whether you play that position or not to Wayne. Yeah. Wayne's probably the best English striker we've had. And Great for Everton, they mm. come through their ranks, but unfortunately for them, there's going to be a comparison. I know Russ had that for years, didn't he? So it's going to be on there. It's going to be a burden for them, but as I said, as Everton fans, they're going to be passionate as anyone to kind of give 100%. When you, when you did leave, um, what was the reaction like from all your friends at the club and, and staff and players? I mean, is the general feeling of disappointment or a, a day is like Moyes wasn't and standoffish from you? Yeah, and things, um, there was only um, Sean, Kitman. I remember him. Like, I remember seeing him a few times and then just avoiding me. Um, obviously, he was. I joined and he was like an apprentice kit man. Now he's like part of the furniture. But yeah, he was probably the only one that kind of held a grudge to kind of what it meant. But he was a young Evertonian fan. Obviously, 
and he'd been new into the football industry, so he probably didn't understand it as as well as like say like Treble and Jimmy Comer and Jimmy Martin kind of they understood that players come, players go. Um, but yeah, now I still speak to them and when I see them and stuff like that. So yeah. Can you remember what your first sort of the, the sort of icebreaker with David Moyes was after you left and that period where he wasn't talking to you to obviously signing for Sunderland and things was it just something where you seeing each other now and again and it yeah, was yeah we seen each other more regular but also I think I think the second season we won the FA Cup at City and then everyone was talking about us being title contenders so I then kind of think we'd obviously broke into the Champions League um, we were beating teams top teams and we were signing world class players um, so kind of then I think he realised that what he's done is kind of it's justified now because what he's hopes has happened is, is happening. I mean, are you surprised by how Damon Moyes' career has sort of panned out since, since he left Everton, or did you always look at did you look at him when he was at the club and think he, he's got the the ability to go on and manage someone like Manchester United, or when that was announced, were you sort of a bit like I'm not entirely sure about this one? No, 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 that didn't surprise me at all. Um, we spoke about that when I was when I was leaving. To be fair, about <laughs> that possibility, um, but yeah, no, as I said, he was a great. Um, Great coach, yeah. very detailed in what he did, and that was probably his downfall going to Man United. Is that he was probably too detailed for the players he had. Um, he used to come working to having to give us every bit of detail, every bit of information, and and not being able to rely on some of our ability as much as he could have. Say at the likes of Man United, so when you go there, you probably just have to give him the basics and, yeah. and not fear teams as much as he did when we obviously the manager of Everton, because we had to pay a lot more respect to to a lot more teams than than say Man United did. Mm. I mean, when he's made his decision career-wise after that, are you surprised he's never sort of returned to... I know he did okay at West Ham, but in terms of Sociedad and obviously what happened at Sunderland, are you surprised that he never really got back to the level he was at as a manager and how highly he was thought of at Everton? Yeah, no, I'm surprised that's not happened, but also then it kind of made me aware that what a great team squad we had, um, that obviously managers do need players to kind of help them. Um, it's all like giving them all the, the basics, but it's kind of you still need a mentality that that squad had to kind of want to get the best out of themselves. And being with him at Sunderland, I can honestly say that wasn't the case. There wasn't enough players there that wanted to be the best they could be. Um, there was a lot of talent there, but there wasn't enough drive and professionalism um, from the players collectively. Um, and just sort of, sort of wrapping up, I mean, you know, you're saying there about we and how you, you know, still think yourself as, as, as a bit of an Everton. You know, I mean, is, is it a club you still look out for? You still keep results for? Still root for? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, when they're not preaching City, <laughs> the, the two teams. I'm be honest, the two teams that I follow now, obviously Man City and, and Wolves, um, mainly due to the obviously successful times there, but also my kids, my youngest son is a Wolves fan, yeah. um, so um, my oldest is a City fan. So kind of, but yeah, I, I, I do make sure Everton. I, I check the results of all the teams that I played for um, because I've, I've got friends there that I'll have for the rest of my life. So um, that will always continue to happen. The situation now we sort of touched upon it in terms of reckless spending and stuff like that that's gone on at the club, which is sort of ironic because we didn't have a pot of piss in when you were there. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it just seems as if I mean you talk about fickle nature of football and not knowing what's going to happen one day to the next. How do you view things now at the football club? Would you, would you sort of pun their head on? Well, um, I'm going to go on record to credit for um, for Adrissa Gay's decision to go to Everton because we were at Villa together and then West Ham were in and he said he could have gone. He, was, he pulled me and said, um, West Ham or Everton. I was like, go to Everton. Um, a lot more stable. Um, kind of a lot more realism of what they can achieve. Um, I know West Ham were obviously going into a new stadium, but... He's been great, great player for the club. But in terms of overall spend, I just don't think it's been wise enough. Um, it's been great that they've been able to spend, but I think the Everton fans in general would have liked to have seen less money spent, but spent more wisely. And it's, it's easy to say that now, but I'm sure that would have been the case um, well, beforehand. What you've seen at City, which is you know just a juggernaut now, obviously yeah. you work there. I mean, it's ridiculous conveyor belt of oh. talent that comes along. Yeah. 
In terms of spending money, what would you say would be the thing that Everton needed? Because it looked very much to us like it was an Emperor's New Clothes type of thing where one day you're shopping in Poundland, the next yeah. you're in Harrods. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing. I don't know much about the owners but at, um, at Everton, but City's owners, they were businessmen and kind of knew what was in place. So when I kind of spoke to them, what's happening now, I was told about yeah beforehand so it's not a surprise what so it's a, a long term oh plan yeah this is with the right people in place. yeah so they knew exactly what was going to happen and they've, they've got experience of doing it in other industries but knowing exactly how to to do it um in regards to, to everton i think when they started to spend the biggest loss for me would have been rum you mm. got so many goals there and you didn't go and just replace that natural goal for it um got a lot, a lot of quality but again it was similar um and as you know, you need to score goals to win games and to not kind of replace someone of that industry. And it's evident now Real Madrid on a bigger scale, yeah. they had Ronaldo, you think you're okay, you sell him and then you're not okay kind mm -hmm. of thing. So yeah, it's um that would probably be their position obviously, even though Dan does well and he's he's probably like a cut hero because his work ethic, um I'm sure there's more goals to come from mm -hmm. him but in order and out and out goal scorers I'm, I'm sure the Everton fans would have liked to see that being replaced when, when Ram left uh, very last thing and um, obviously Mikel Arteta is someone you work with regularly um, it's been talked about as a potential future Everton manager obviously can't go work, work with him in the city but can you see him going into, into management in the future is, is he of that sort of mindset you think? yeah definitely he's very passionate about what he does very intelligent footbally I knew that from playing with him um, but kind of surprised me how well he's adapted um, obviously when we played with him and obviously speaking to him after we both left I kind of knew he loved it but not to the extent he does um, and yeah definitely he's got enough about him um, to kind of manage at the top and I'm, I'm sure he was close to kind of the Arsenal job in the summer but um, made the right decision to stay with, uh, with Man City <laughs> <laughs> Just on him for, for one second I mean obviously he's learning from the best there is in the game as you full well know um, does that worry translate to the pressure that might be on him if he takes up the job because I mean anytime Marco Silva's under pressure now with us these days it's you've got to go and get Mikel he's up the road and he's yeah. learning from Guardiola but obviously he's an individual himself and yeah. will be completely different to Pep Guardiola in many ways yeah definitely I'm sure they've got different <coughs> approaches to, to scenarios and things And but in terms of coaching and knowledge he's learning from the very best as you said um, in the future who knows because um, it's a different type of pressure it's alright saying you kind of mm. want to do it um, but then to kind of have an expectation and he will know the expectation that will be on him at, um, when he steps into the chair whether that be at Man City or Everton he's going to be aware of the, the expectation Brilliant uh, Julian really appreciate you giving so much of your time to chat about all things right. Everton today um, thanks very much for coming on the playroom thank you Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.